St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta had a rule for her new postulants as they arrived to join the missionaries of charity in Calcutta. That is, the very next day, they were sent to the home of the dying. Mother Teresa would speak to the postulants about how reverently the motherhouse chaplain had said mass, raising the bread and wine after praying the words of institution, this is my body, this is my blood, Jesus' words at the Last Supper. Mother would then encourage the postulants to go to the home of the, for the dying and do the same because it is the ne- same Jesus, Mother Teresa explained, that you will find there in the broken bodies of our poor people. At the end of the day, it was a true sign about which of the postulants would finish the novitiate. They were the sisters who returned tired, but with big smiles. One postulant chronicled her experience to mother that she was assigned to assist a man who had fallen into a drain and had been there for days. He was covered with dirt and bloodied wounds, and she washed his tarnished skin as if she was touching the body of Christ at Mass. It seems that making this kind of connection is vital for us as Christians. That is, the Eucharist that prompts many to serve others. In today's Gospel, Jesus proclaims that eating the living bread allows us to participate in his divine life on this earth, and eventually, the complete and lasting happiness of eternal life. So we begin to experience divine happiness in this world and enter it completely in the Eucharist. This means that those who have faith in Jesus have already taken their first steps into heaven. In the Eucharist, when we eat and drink Jesus' body and blood, we're there. Our participation in the Eucharist concretizes our relationship with Christ and then with one another, as Mother Teresa's postulants came to understand. This also means that we must turn away from our former ways of living. St. Paul preaches to the Ephesians, advising them to show their gratitude to God for their calling by avoiding former foolish ways. He gives the example of getting drunk on wine. Instead, they have to be filled with the Holy Spirit as they live out the Christian life. But when we talk about the Eucharist on this side of history, of course, it's pretty easy to embrace Jesus' Eucharistic teaching. We are used to his language. After all, this is the fourth week in a row that we've read part of John chapter 6 this year alone. We hear about it every time we come to Mass in the Eucharistic prayer. But today's passage shows the shocked reaction of some to Jesus' blunt statement about, there's an ant that just walked right by my, my, did you see it? Went right by, I was like, where did that come from? Okay, (laughs) totally distracted me. Okay, let's start over. On this side of history, of course, it's pretty easy to embrace Jesus' Eucharistic teaching. We are used to his language. We've heard it four weeks in a row. We hear it in the Eucharistic prayer. But today's passage shows the shock reaction of those who hear Jesus, that the life-giving bread that he gives is his own body and blood. Two dimensions of, Jesus, of Jewish liturgical practice provide the context of Jesus's, uh, of, of the gospel today. That is, when an animal was sacrificed on the temple altar, 
Part of the meat was given to worshipers for a feast with family and friends. And during that meal, God was honored as the unseen guest. Some believe that God entered into that flesh of that sacrificial animal so that when people departed from the feast, they believed that God literally went with them. Also, Jews believed that blood was the vessel in which life was contained. As blood drained away from a body, so did life. For this reason, blood was considered to be sacred. And during animal sacrifices, blood was ritually drained from the carcasses and often solemnly sprinkled upon the altar and the worshipers as a sign of being touched directly by the lifeblood of God. With these rituals and ancient rituals as a backdrop, John summarized his theology of the Eucharist, which focuses on service of one's fellow human beings as a divine mission. John does not include the words of institution that are present in the other Gospels. Rather, he includes what we call the mandatum, when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples at the end of the Last Supper as a sign of Christian discipleship. That is, after receiving Jesus in Holy Communion, we are to serve Christ in the eyes of the poor and the forgotten. To feast on our Eucharistic Lord, then, is to feast on the very life of God. In inviting us to to feed on his flesh and drink his blood, Jesus invites us to embrace the life of, of his Father, the joyful life of humble service to others, and the life that is centered on unconditional, total, and sacrificial love. That admittance into eternal life was contingent upon reception of Holy Communion, and living this life was shocking to some of Jesus' listeners. Of course, Jewish law prohibited the eating of, of human flesh and blood, but some of Israel's Old Testament neighbors drank blood as a religious act, believing that if they drank the blood of any animal, that they took in its strength and vitality. Seeking life from the blood of an animal was idolatrous to Israelites because life came from God alone. In addition, for the Jews, blood was considered unclean. To this day, observant Jews eat only kosher meat from which the blood had been fully drained. Yet Jesus encourages his followers to not only eat his flesh and blood, that was seen as an outrage. But in spite of all this, eating the flesh and blood of our Savior becomes commonplace to early Christians. The second century martyr St. Ignatius of Antioch once said, For food I want the bread of life, which is the flesh of Jesus Christ, and for drink I want his blood which is incorruptible love. Jesus is calling us to follow him, to be with him, and to share totally and unconditionally in his mission. This begins around the altar of sacrifice when we receive his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. Jesus promises us that when we follow him, he will raise us up on the last day. This becomes our hope. Sadly, many in Jesus' audience were content 
with the bread that they already possessed in the Mosaic law, and they walked away from Jesus. And many today are content with the bread of this world and the temporary vitality of passing material things. But when Christians began to eat and drink Jesus' body and blood in the Eucharist after the Lord's death, they entered into an amazing divine fellowship, the same fellowship that we are blessed to enter when we come to Mass. The sacrificial meal has sustained the church for centuries and given her strength to overcome every adversity. So may we grow to appreciate what we have here, the true presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ.